how does the spiritual misery we go through have the potential to connect us to divine love? What is God's mercy really like? And how does goodness lead to wisdom? We dig into these topics right now in the NCE Spotlight, your home for fresh insights from the ongoing translation of the New Century edition of Swedenborg's Theological Works. Knock, knock, Jonathan Rose. Hey, come on in. Hey, Jonathan. Thanks for having us yet again, welcoming us into your lovely uh, office. And is that a cinnamon stick I smell? (laughs) (laughs) Something soothing to bring in the new year. And (laughs) so thanks for sitting down with us. And I can't wait to hear what tidbits of insight you have from your ongoing translation and especially the editing work that you're doing right now for Secrets of Heaven. I'm excited that somewhere there are book elves working on Secrets of Heaven Volume 3, and it should be coming out in the not-too-distant future. And so I've picked three quotations from that work, Secrets of Heaven Volume 3, that really struck me when I was doing that edit. And the theme this time might sound kind of almost generic, but the theme is goodness. Mm -hmm. This first quotation needs a little setting up because um, if you've spent any time reading Swedenborg, you, you run into this business of truth and goodness. And sometimes it's not just truth and goodness, but it's truth from goodness and goodness from truth. And he emphasizes, he often describes them as being in a kind of marriage. And yet I would have to say it's quite an unequal marriage uh, (laughs) because unlike a lot of people in the Enlightenment, he felt that good was vastly superior to truth. Even Mm -hmm. the truth that people who are good-oriented have is much better than the truth that truth-oriented people have. Mm -hmm. And so this is something that as I'm editing and thinking about Swedenborg's works, I'm often wondering, you know, what is he talking about? What is an example? And uh, here he favored us with an example of a kind. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Um, Okay. So he takes for example, an idea. This is section 2718, subsection 5. And this is about how two different kinds of people approach the same truth. So he says, take, for example, the idea that we should love our neighbors for the good in them. And I want to hit pause here already to say that Uh, I think there's a lot of people, he talks about this, there are a lot of people in the world who think that you should treat all your neighbors equally. Mm -hmm. You know, they're all children of God, treat them all the same. Uh, Swedenborg has a more nuanced position that actually, as far as you can judge it, try to figure out how much goodness is in them if they're really just a savage criminal you're helping them out with some money is is not going to do the world any good. Uh, And so that's what he's talking about. We should love our neighbors for the good 
in them. That's what we love about them, not just that they're human, but that they have goodness, and, and the amount of goodness makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And then he talks about how two different kinds of people respond to this notion. I'll quote here. People who respond to truth ponder, investigate, and discuss whether this is true or whether it is valid, what a neighbor is and what goodness is. They never venture any further, so they shut the door to wisdom on themselves. Hmm. I'll pause right there again and say, that sounds like the debating society, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, like they, <laughs> yes. hmm, fascinating. Well, is this valid? Is it true? Well, how would you define neighbor? Uh, what, how would you define goodness? And they got all tangled up in that. How does he, does people devoted to truth? Is how he described that That's group? right. People okay. who respond to truth. Respond to yeah. truth. Respond to truth, yeah. People who respond to truth. Then he's got the second group, quote, people who respond to goodness, though, say, yes, it's true. <laughs> so they do not shut the door on themselves, but enter in. From goodness, they see, know, and sense who is more their neighbor than another, and how much more of a neighbor that person is. They also see that everyone is a neighbor to a different extent, so they have access to indescribable wisdom compared to those who respond only to truth. Huh. Oh, man. That makes it, it sounds like the, you know, being affirmative, you know, just being, like you say, yes is the first thing, and then you think <laughs> about it, you know, accepting it. <laughs> and then like, how is this true? Hmm, let me see, you know, and then you're getting the all this insight. Group hardly gets to yes, do they? You know, they, Yeah, they never get to they're, yes. <laughs> they're still in the debating society. The second group starts at yes, and then off they go. Yes, yes. It seems to show the difference in, the stark difference in the underlying motivations for each group and really highlight how truth is not a cause. Goodness is a yeah. cause. The goodness has within it this will to see the world r- run well and to see people receive the care of the kind that they need mm. and to see an environment in which people are safe and and nurtured and everything else that, that people need. So that love is sitting there and longing for that condition. And as soon as it sees its partner, the truth that will allow that condition to happen, yes, yeah, that's right. I'm all about it. It's not that somebody who responds to truth could actually be devoid of a purpose. There's always a love driving the truth. So it sounds like there, the love right. is of of debating, perhaps of trying to ferret out who's the smartest and who can arrive at truth. But it, it seems more of a stepping stone to some mundane um, competition, whereas the person in the who's motivated by good is like leaping like the baby in Elizabeth's womb. I love the what you're saying there because the um, gives me some insight into it can be kind of a dry expression to say, well, they respond to goodness. But when you think about like rephrasing that as, oh, this can help me be a more effective person in other people's lives. 
like understanding that will make me a better source of love and motivation, encouragement, hope, maybe some chiding and rebuking or whatever. But I, you know, this will make me more effective in my quest to love and support other people. And so they go right to work. Yep. The next two passages I have are about how good the Lord is. Uh, One is 2406, subsection 2. Few, if any, know that the Lord holds everybody back from evil without exception and with greater force than anyone could ever believe. Hmm. All of us are constantly trying to do evil, both because of the heredity we were born with and as a result of the evil we have acquired for ourselves by acting on it. That's our great achievement. Our inclination is so strong that if the Lord did not hold us back, we would rush headlong for the lowest hell at every moment. The Lord's mercy is so immense, though, that at every moment, no matter how small, he lifts us up and keeps us from plunging into hell. And then Swedenborg adds a little tag, even with good people, you know, you might be thinking, oh, yeah, evil people, people who are on the fence really need that. But he clarifies, even with good people, he does this. Although there are differences depending on the life of charity and faith, they are living, which I take to mean they give him more to more to work with, you know, like it's it's easier. Yes. But he's still having to, and, and there are other passages where he says this of the angels, that they're panting for the lowest hell. Uh. So when I'm going along and editing and I find a passage like that, it's just like I got to stop and breathe for a minute. I had two possible responses to that. If I was responding from truth to that, I might say to myself, well, is God really holding me back from evil? I don't know. I I don't think I would do that many evil things. I mean, incredible force. No, every once in a while, he, he gets me to not take a cookie out of the cookie jar, but generally, but if I'm responding from goodness, I say, yeah, that is true because what that does, do you know what that concept does? If it's really true that in some uh, imperceptible way, even beyond the struggles we face day to day that we can understand, oh man, I, I, I'm being pulled in a direction I don't want to go in. Good thing God could be holding me back. I got inspiration in the right moment. But if there's something even farther than that where God is with unimaginable force holding me back from diving into the evil uh, that I'm inclined to, do you know what that does? For the human race, it absolutely is the missing piece, the dark matter that makes Swedenborg's universe that he describes work. Because Mm. if that's true, then it's clearly and obviously true that I'm totally dependent on the Lord, which Swedenborg says. And, And the comfort that comes from realizing you're totally dependent on the word, I mean, on the Lord, who is the word. And it also deflates human competition. Because without that, I can look around and say, ah, well, they're doing a little better than I am. They're a little more successful. They're a little more moral. I'm a little better than them in those categories. But this as a truth makes you realize viscerally, oh, we would all be completely 
messed up if it wasn't for God holding us back with two arms. I love that. I totally love how you described that. And I, I second you. Yes. <laughs> just like that. <laughs> I don't even I don't even feel uncomfortable about it. I just love it. I just think, no, nope, this is, hey, I've had plenty of time to try to wrestle around with, oh, am I good or not? And comparing myself and doing all, and, and it hadn't gone well. What I love is the idea <laughs> that there's this radical freedom in there where we get to get through the maze of the ego and into a place where it's all it's all good. Mm. Yeah. And I think definitely like it, this is one of those passages where to somebody who's maybe new to Swedenborg's works can get that sort of first hit of like, wait, what? You know, hang on a second. Uh, but it's when you hold it in the context of the other, the spiritual reality as Swedenborg describes it and how God is so intimately connected in our souls to us, you know, and that like giving everything that is the divines, you know, like God wants to give all of that to us entirely. And then we are vessels for receiving that. And like just the partnership that is God's will for us, that's this counterbalance. I mean, not that it even needs balancing, but it's like, that's that other piece that completes the picture because then it's just all the more beautiful when you're just like taking that in and how, like you say, getting through getting through the maze of the ego to just like awe at at how we are created and and the joy and beauty of the life that we get to live here. And I think you'll be able to see how this third quotation is related. This is also under the heading of the Lord is good. And it's dealing with a much misunderstood biblical statement or statements to the effect that the poor and the afflicted will be welcomed into heaven ahead of the rich. You know, it's difficult for the rich to enter heaven. And uh, so this has caused a lot of, you know, wondering what Jesus meant by that and so on. So Swedenborg's dealing with that in section 2129, subsection 4. As for this biblical statement, neither should it be taken to mean that only those who have suffered persecution and misery will enter heaven. The rich are welcomed there just as much as the poor, the high-ranking just as much as the lowly. The Lord shows mercy to everyone especially those who have been through spiritual miseries and trials, which is what persecution by evil people means. So he takes special pity on those who acknowledge that left to themselves, they're wretched and who attribute their salvation to his mercy alone. Mm, I love that so much. I feel like the, the word that comes to mind is surrender, the kind of surrendering that I feel like is reflected in what Swedenborg is describing when you're just faced with that soul-crushing misery, you know, in yourself or in life, and uh, and that that's the point where you, you let go because you know it's not a problem you're ever going to be able to solve. You know, like you're saying, Curtis, it's way bigger than any of us individually, and it's not we aren't the ones that created this, even if we had a part in it, you know, even if we're engaged in evil in our lives, that also requires us to just 
let it go because so much that's coming from a place of us trying to figure it out trying to control the situation and and so when we surrender it it's just it's like you can't imagine it until you go through it but that when you let go you actually are caught by something larger and and those tender moments in our lives when that happens is so so powerful and yeah so that's just really cool to hear Swedenborg write about it just like that it must be so beautiful for people who have been through that kind of spiritual misery and affliction because one of the main things that uh, evil spirits work on there is to try to get us to feel crushed and, you know, just mm-hmm. reduced to nothing. And so for those people to feel like they get special, you know, like yes. they go through the TSA pre-check and they <laughs> have an easier time Aww, getting in yeah. because they've been through such a hard time. Yeah. I will mm. say that there are times when I encounter somebody who has some worldly advantages, like they are attractive or successful or gregarious, but they seem to have a genuine concern for what's good and true. Like they're, and they have a humility and they're not trying to get one over. They really seem like if, if they were in a room and no one was watching, they would just do the right thing. And it never makes sense to me until I learn, oh, right, they, they uh, are a recovering addict or they've had something in their past. And as soon as I understand that, I'm like, okay, that's why they're devoted to goodness and mm. truth. It, it's, right. I just noticed it a couple times in me. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't add up. Why, why are you so good? Oh, okay, <laughs> because you've gone through that hard stuff. Now I get it. That makes sense. That's how that motivation could stay. So yeah. it really does seem to to happen in real life. And from that example, you can see how the salvation happens even here during our lives because they're already rescued. Like that's. That's a miracle, and it's cool. I love those things where Swedenborg says, well, I know you read your Bible, and I know it gave you this idea, but think about it a little bit. I'm not talking about whether you have physical wealth or not, as Swedenborg says in Divine Providence. That can be a a blessing. It can be a curse. Uh, I'm talking about what's going on in your heart and whether you feel humble, whether you feel grateful for what the Lord is doing for you. Thank you so much, Jonathan, for welcoming us here and offering us those insights that you came across. And I feel like I'm going to be taking them with me into the new year now because it's just beautiful. What a beautiful approach to to life and being able to hold those ideas with us as we have our interactions with other people and, and do our day-to-day. So thanks. Yeah, absolutely. And... Um really appreciate getting to hear those fresh insights and we're just going to take the fact that you haven't changed your locks as an open invite to come back whenever we want (laughs) it is so heavenly you're welcome anytime because to share these things especially things about the the love of god uh, it's so heavenly i find it so uplifting so thank you friends 
hope your heart was uplifted and your mind inspired by this week's NCE Spotlight. Subscribe to the Inside Off the Left Eye podcast to tap into this stream of fresh insights and join us on our excursions into the historical context of Swedenborg's life and works. All passages quoted in this episode are sneak peeks from upcoming volumes of the New Century Edition translation of Secrets of Heaven. If you've benefited from the work of the Swedenborg Foundation through Off the Left Eye and the New Century Edition, consider supporting us with a donation. We are a nonprofit and depend on the support of our donors. To give, go to swedenborg.com donate. And thank you for listening. <laughs>